morning, everybody, and welcome to the twelfth episode of Frame Focus Photo. I'm Digital Len, joined today by, as usual, Analog Mike, and today we're more talking about our experiences photographing some of the boats over the last week or so, and then moving on to some adapting lenses. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Hey, Len. I'm well, man. Uh, it's good to catch up with you. I can't believe it's been a week. The time's flown by. Yeah, completely. Um, and actually, you'd think with COVID, this is going to be dragging, but it's not. Yeah, no, it seems to always be something to spend your time on, hey? <laughs> always. Yeah. So what are you spending your time on today? Uh, well, I was out uh, this morning testing a couple lenses, and then uh, um, this afternoon I was fitting shelves around our apartment, so uh, nothing too exciting. <laughs> but uh, Okay. Yeah, yesterday I did manage to go down to the Star Ferry uh, Pier and uh, photograph the Star Ferries and um, I put a picture up on Instagram, so it's Saturday when we're recording this, when the podcast comes out it'll be Monday, so you guys can go back uh, a few pictures and you'll see, uh, it was, uh, I was photographing on film uh, on an Ilford black and white film, so it was quite nice. I hadn't shot any film for a couple of weeks, so it was nice to nice to uh, be doing that again. Yeah, I can see quite a nice black and white one there as the ferry approaches. Yeah, yeah, um, and that that lens is uh, it's a rangefinder, uh, very very sharp and lots of contrast and, um, and micro contrast. So this is brings out a lot of interesting tonality in the picture it's uh, yeah it's good yeah nice well, well more on that a little bit later cool man yeah great so uh, um yeah go ahead yeah what do you be yeah, up cool to? um yeah i mean as i was saying my little bit um uh, still driving this little car around like crazy and trying to see if i don't scare well, my passengers more than I scare myself, <laughs> but uh, it's getting there. So, guys, if you're up in Aberdeen and you see a driving school out there, I won't mention my name just yet, but uh, good luck. Just stay away. <laughs> <laughs> it's about to be interesting for the next few weeks, but um, uh, yeah, otherwise it's getting there. Um, you also, know, I, yeah? I remember driving with you years ago in Johannesburg, <laughs> Glenn, and... Uh, well, uh, let's just say if your students are anything like that, so I'm expecting a Lewis Hamilton to emerge from your driving <laughs> school. <laughs> you know what? That was the then. I've, I've now learned the way that we do a chair in the UK. It's like so slow and so polite and like 10 miles an hour into a junction. It's like fantastic. I'm a new driver. Um, and even my kids are willing to drive with me again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's saying a lot. <laughs> it is. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, um, haven't done much photographing. Hoping tomorrow now that my life seems to have settled a bit, I want to take my 500 mil out and go and photograph some of the wind turbines. But yeah, we'll chat on that a bit later too. Nice. But otherwise, good. Oh, so cool. yeah, tell us about your photographing on film. Yeah, so as I say, I went down to the Star Ferries, and um, for any of our listeners that uh, are from elsewhere and haven't visited Hong Kong, Star Ferry is sort of an institution in Hong Kong, sort of a constant uh, feature on the skyline and in the harbour, and they have a very long history of over 120 years old now, um, being going across the harbour. They only have two routes from... Um, 
Chim Sha Chui on the Kowloon side to central Hong Kong and to Wan Chai. I was just reading about them uh, today uh, and I was quite amazed to find that over 50,000 people a day are using the Star Ferries um, to cross the harbour. You know, I, I when I Jeez. have time off, uh, I almost always uh, take a ride on them just because I really enjoy it. It's It yeah. costs nothing. It's uh, 2.7 Hong Kong dollars on weekdays and 3.7 Hong Kong dollars on the weekend. So it costs nothing to ride across and... You can either sit in an air-conditioned section, uh, especially in the summer, that's that's quite nice because, uh, as you know, it gets super humid. And then there's sort of in the middle of the boat, uh, there's an open-air section. There's also, it's a double-decker, there's an upstairs and a downstairs section. Now I tend to ride upstairs all the time. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's just a five to ten minute ride across the harbour. And it's a beautiful view of the skyline. Uh, mm. and it uh, doesn't take up much time. But, you know, a lot of people uh, still use the ferry uh, for their daily commute just because they're trying to avoid the crowded MTRs or or the, the, the road tunnels because they can be quite uh, expensive. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah. If you're not I remember when I was there all the time, I'd, it was more the experience than anything else. And any friends that I took with us, that's the first thing we had to do. You know, everyone's gone on the MTR. Nope, we have to go and take the Star Ferry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Are yeah, they still know. smelling as fishy as what they always were? Always, yeah. yeah that's, uh, <laughs> Hong Kong's uh, Victoria Harbour has a nickname, Fragrant Harbour, for a reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's great. Especially their sunset yeah. time, sunrise time. Oh, oh man, it's, so the views nice. are just spectacular. Yeah, really nice. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I went down there with... Uh, actually, I went down with film and digital, but I didn't really use the digital very much. Uh, it was uh, mainly all film and um, one roll of black and white. And I, I did take a few frames of the Star Fairies in colour, but um, I, I might share those as well during the week, actually. Um, but the, I thought the black and white ones just had a bit of a nostalgia and mm. sort of um, because they, they they sort of been a constant part of Hong Kong's history for 120 years and you know during the Second World War they were sunk and then rebuilt and uh, yeah it's just very interesting history so uh, yeah I'll probably share a couple more yeah kind of uh, looking forward to seeing that actually I must be honest I'm also a black and white fan with the Star Ferry. Um, I don't know, I just find the backdrop of Hong Kong, I mean, it's great for all its colours. Yeah. But if you're focusing on the Star Ferries, that's where the black and white really makes them stand out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah, as I, say, I said a bit earlier, it's just nice to be uh, using film again. I'd been sort of photographing a lot of, uh, a lot with digital, uh, just because... Um, when I'm out and about doing other stuff, I always have a camera with me, but I, I don't really know what I'm going to be photographing then, so it's usually one of the Fujis because they're not heavy to carry around. And, um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And you're planning, off air, you're sort of telling us you're planning on going back and doing some with adapted lenses. So I need to find out a bit more about this adapting lenses. 
Yeah, so uh, uh, for those of you who saw the blog, uh, uh, we just put out a blog about adapting um, lenses to mirrorless and uh, it's actually such a huge topic. Uh, I mean, we could probably spend, you know, 20 episodes covering just adapted lenses because it's such a broad topic, but I'll summarize it just uh, briefly here. So um, before digital, uh, you know, in the 35 millimeter, which is now known as full frame class of cameras, you had either fixed lens cameras, point and shoots, or you had range finders, or you had SLRs. Uh, those were basically your options there. And there was the opportunity to adapt lenses a little bit between certain brands but it was limited a uh, the tolerances because the mountings were so similar in size the tolerances were often very hard to get right and so they were you know it wasn't that popular but because of the design of mirrorless uh, camera bodies um, the flange focal distance which is basically the distance between the sensor and the back of the lens got a lot narrower and so there was space to fit filter um, adapters in between the camera body and the lens and so all of a sudden you know a uh, hundred years worth of lens history became available <laughs> for yeah. adaptation and uh, it's become a, a hobby in its own right within photography of people adapting lenses and uh, what my blog was about is mainly SLR lenses, manual focus SLR lenses, um, which I think are honestly in today the best value for money uh, that you can get, period. Um, because you can get some amazing lenses, I mean truly spectacular optics and manual focus SLR lenses. Um, and you can adapt them to any mirrorless body of your choice. There's adapters for all of them, uh, basically. Uh, there's very few that you can't adapt. Um, and the great thing about that is, uh, you know, if you bought, say, a Sony, um, just as an example, uh, mirrorless body a few years ago when they were really the only practical mirrorless body available and now uh, with uh, Canon and Nikon and Panasonic uh, all, all coming into the full frame mirrorless market if you've found a body that you preferred you could buy a new brand of camera body and the only thing you'd need to change is the adapter and you'd again be able to use all your lenses um, so your lenses, you know, the historically lenses have always been the best investment in photography. Mm. Uh, and now that's even more true, I think, because no matter which mirrorless body you choose, um, your, your lenses can be used, which I think is awesome. Does it have to be a mirrorless body or can you go for your normal SLRs? Okay, adapting SLRs is a little bit more tricky. Um, there's a lot less options there. Uh, you can adapt certain things to them. Um, for example, like you've got the Canon um, 5D, I think it is. 
Um, you could adapt uh, M42 lenses to that, uh, and M42 lenses are a universal screw mount. They're made very famous by Pentax because all of Pentax Super Takamai lenses were M42. Um, and those are, you can find, find them for bargain prices. Uh, you know, uh, I'm talking about like 50 US dollars very often. That's, that's dirt cheap. Yeah, you can buy, for example, a Super Takuma 50mm f1.4, which is a really fast lens, and it's a superb optic. Um, and you can get a cheap adapter to adapt that lens to your um, Canon, and uh, you can use it on your Canon. And one day, if you ever chose to go from a DSLR to... Um, mirrorless uh, all you'd need is a new adapter and the adapters are cheap you know you can get a, a very simple adapter for twenty dollars it will work perfectly yeah and i mean but you buying it off like um, ebay or amazon or that sort of thing yeah uh, mainly off ebay um, you can buy them uh, they're a little bit more expensive but uh, if you know nothing about where to buy a lens uh, keh they charge a little bit of a premium um, yeah but their grading is very accurate so if they say the lens is in excellent condition you know you're getting an excellent lens you can still get the same quality lenses for a lot less on ebay but you you sort of have to know a little bit about you know does the lens have fungus does it have any haze um uh you know uh, when you're looking at the lens something to understand is that dust is not an issue in a lens if you see lots of dust in the lens it's almost yeah. never an issue um but it can be a bit intimidating if you're looking at a lens and you see lots of dust and you think oh maybe it's no good it's it's absolutely fine um uh, and there are a lot of excellent resources on the web um covering these sort of things so i'll probably put a few notes um in the show notes for for the listeners so they they can get an idea uh, i think a lot of people listening to the show are probably already aware of this actually but uh, I'll, I'll put some notes in there uh, yeah for, great for guys to follow yeah yeah um, so what um it'd be nice just to i'm going to say play around with actually you know. yeah uh, and uh great to try out now with the slrs uh with the canon you like i say you you can do a little bit with the nikon uh, digital SLRs, it's a little bit more problematic. Um, in that, I'm sure you said you were a Nikon fan at one stage. I, I, oh, I, I was, and I, I still am. Um, but uh, there's another reason to come to the other side. Come back to Canon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike, you were saying yes. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Um, with the Nikon digital SLRs, their flange distance is a bit longer. So any of the classic Nikon lenses uh, are no problem, and the Nikon themselves have some of the uh, some of the finest lenses ever made, um, and they they work perfectly on on obviously on Nikon d digital SLRs. Um, uh, and there's also third-party lenses that were made for Nikon by companies like Zeiss and are still yeah. made actually um i mean zeiss makes some of the most remarkable lenses where uh, one lens um that came out in the early 2000s i want to say i don't actually re remember when it came out but 
it sort of redefined what was actually possible with an SLR lens was the Zeiss uh, Otis Distagon 55mm f1.4 and you can that lens is only available in Nikon F and Canon um, uh, mounts yeah uh, but even today it's considered sort of the gold standard of um, of optics um, but they're not cheap you're going to pay four thousand dollars for that lens so uh, but yeah. um, you know it just uh, that, that gives you a range you can go anywhere from fifty dollars and get a superb super Takama and it will give you a very unique vintage look yeah really beautiful look uh, and you can have a lot of fun for very little money and you can go all the way to the other end of the spectrum and, and uh, pay big bucks. Um, I mean, I'm looking at like um, on KH's website now. There's a 50 millimeter Pentax um, lens, but it's only an f2.8 and it's going to break the bank. It's like $19. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure exa exactly which lens you're referring to there, but I've got a, a macro. It's a SMC Pentax DFA 50mm f2.8 um, which is a macro one-to-one -one lens and yeah. it's exceptionally sharp it's a Pentax K mount so um, I'm not sure if that can or can't be mounted to your Canon yeah. um, it's not the same as the uh, M42 mount um, but yeah, uh, it's n not expensive, and uh, they're excellent. Um, I I have tons of Pentax K mount lenses, and the great thing about that as well. A couple more advantages about adapting lenses, is uh, especially the old manual focus SLR lenses. They're very lightweight, uh, in comparison to today's modern lenses because. They have simpler optical designs and no autofocus motors in them. So that's one thing uh, that um, is a benefit. Uh, they're inexpensive, as I said, um, and you can use them, uh, you know, uh, if you like myself and enjoy both film and digital, you can you have your Pentax or Nikon or Canon film camera uh, and then use those very same lenses on your digital camera as well, uh, which means all your filters work across the across the system. Um, uh, you can do a lot with it. Uh, as I say, we're we're only scratching the surface uh, with what we're chatting about here, but you really can do a, a huge amount with it. Yeah, definitely something I want to start looking at. Um, nice to play around. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I just think it's so nice, you know, uh, to breathe life into these old uh, lenses. Um, you know, so much of photography has become sort of, uh, well, this is out of date in two years, throw it away kind of thing, yeah. uh, which is not actually true. I mean, like, uh, you know, I've got digital cameras that are going on 10 years and still working fine. Um, I think. The big thing everyone's trying to do these days is just um, the bigger, the better, the higher the pixels. But it's about actually the experience, you know, getting out there and spending time outdoors, spending time photographing, um, creating memories. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're doing that, then it's good. Yeah, uh, and that's why, you know, it's so nice to have these lenses that 
they've been relevant for probably 50 to 70 years and they'll continue to be relevant indefinitely because yeah um you know no matter what sort of cameras come out there you'll still be able to use them yeah fantastic so looking forward to seeing your next set of photos yeah yeah so i'm heading down tomorrow morning with uh, my fuji xe3 and uh uh, I'm taking three Pentax lenses with me. I'm taking the SMC 20mm f4, which is sort of a wide angle. Um, it's on a crop uh, crop sense on the Fuji, so it's uh, not quite as wide as it would be on a full frame. And then I'm taking the SMC 50mm f1.7, which is a, a superb lens. Um, and then I'm taking the 85mm f2, so I'll have three lenses with me and nice. uh, just go well, down. Give us some nice behind-the-scenes photos as well. You know, yeah. Some of the cameras and the lenses and how you've adapted them, what it looks like, you know? Yeah, sure. I'll put something on the Facebook uh, Facebook page. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Well, I won't be adapting lenses. I'm just going to take my straightforward 500mm lens. It's an old Sigma lens and um, go out with... In fact, I'm still using my old Canon 350D. Oh, cool. Um, okay. And I'm going to go and take some photos of those wind turbines. Oh, nice. Yeah, that sounds cool. But yeah, yeah, same thing, you know, it's it's like a go there early morning or late evening, um, grab your coffee because it's four or five degrees Celsius. Yeah. And that's it, you're sitting and enjoying. If you're lucky, you get to see dolphins, you get some boats in and out of the harbor. So it fits in very nicely with our theme we have going at the moment. Yeah, nice. Uh, that sounds good. I, I saw you post a picture maybe it was a week ago or a bit more of uh, your coffee mm. coffee hangout. So uh, uh, yeah, uh, looked looked cozy. <laughs> it is definitely. Yeah, nice. But yeah, good. Um, and you know, I mean, that also my sort of plans for the week as well. Just doing some of these fall photos. Um, so nice here in sort of northern hemisphere at the moment. The leaves are all changing, falling off the trees. Great time if anyone's listening to get your family out there and go do some family photos. Yeah, yeah. The colours this time of year are spectacular. Really yeah, are. really. Um, so I, uh, I've got one next week that the lady actually told us where she wants to go, which is great. And um, it's about a, I think it's about maybe a kilometer and a half walk. I'm not sure. Um, but there's this blue door in the middle of the forest. It's got a frame around it entirely, but it's physically in the middle of the forest is a stock standard blue door with a frame. Oh, wow. It must have been <laughs> and put just there by a that, photographer. <laughs> it must have been. <laughs> so I'm going to put some photos up on uh, that. And I know it's not in line with our theme, but I, I just think the colors of the, the fall colors with this vibrant blue door. Um, yeah. I'll have to find some way. Maybe I'll just change the blue door to an ocean background or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Photoshop is brilliant. Yeah. But um, we'll find some way to include it in our theme. Nice. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, you just reminded me of something... Um, you know, our Facebook comes up with these memories uh, of, of stuff you've posted over the years. Yeah. And uh, two years ago, around this time of year, we were in Canada um, specifically to go and see the fall, uh, which, uh, you know, uh, has beautiful, beautiful colors as well. A lot, probably a lot like what you have in Scotland. Yeah. And uh, oh, so just the colors were spectacular. It was really, really uh, quite something. Yeah. And, you know, the best time about this time of year as well is that nice sort of soft golden light or morning light. It lasts for two, three, four hours into the morning. 
Yeah, yeah. And obviously, the more into winter, the better. You know, what's your light like in Hong Kong? Yeah, uh, we we do get nice light in uh, winter. Uh, it doesn't last quite as long as that, but uh, you know, so the, the air's a little bit drier and a bit hazier now. And so, over the last sort of week or so, there's definitely been a, a change in the color of the light in Hong Kong. It's got more of that sort of golden quality, um, which uh, I, I love this time of year in Hong Kong. I really do. It's it's uh, it's not too hot anymore. You, you can go for a walk and not be absolutely drenched by the time you come home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, I remember those days. <laughs> oh, yeah, and uh, you know now that we live on a hill, basically every morning <laughs> that I go for coffee, I walk back up the hill. Uh, in summer, it was uh, I had to basically hop straight in the shower it was terrible <laughs> i'm so glad you told me that's where you live now um so i'm only visiting in winter uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh it's hard work in summer i must say um but uh yeah uh it's yeah, good. good. I mean, by the time um, this airs on Monday, we're going to have basically one day to go till we move our new theme to air, land, yeah. sea, and air. So, what are you planning to take for the next ten days? Uh, yeah. Um, well, uh, <laughs> uh, I do have quite a lot of pictures. Um, you know, like both of us do of airplanes over the last number of years. So I'll I'll share some of those. I think. And yeah. uh, I, I think I'll try and go down to the, the runway, uh, the end of the runway at Hong Kong and see if I can get a few freighters taking off. Uh, also, here in town, we do get helicopters coming in and out of the city every now and then. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to know when that's going to be, so not that easy to get pictures of them, but uh, certainly get a few freighter flights going out of Hong Kong um off the end of the runway so yeah, uh, nice yeah. um, i'm noticing a lot of airplanes helicopters here but i think you're forgetting about micro lights hot air balloons um drones oh yeah well we don't have any of those in hong kong <laughs> uh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah i mean uh, do you do you guys have hot air balloons or micro lights or any of that stuff around you um i've seen some light aircraft i can't think too many micro lights yeah we get some nice um raf fighter jets that come flying past you every now and then oh cool those are really great to watch. Um, yeah. I just know I'm not going to be able to capture those. But we've got an Air Force base probably 45 minutes from us. Okay. Um, so if I can, I'll probably head out there and see if I can get some photos. Yeah. Um, I've also got some, obviously, as we all do, just some of the, the previous ones. I'm thinking more light aircraft. Yeah. You know, it's, everyone's always seen pictures of these stunning uh, wide bodies. Yeah. But I'm planning to go a little bit different. Yeah, cool. Very cool. So, yeah, and um, uh, are we including our furry friends in air? Our furry friend. Oh, uh, our, our feathered friends. Our, our furry feathered. What's the difference between uh, well, friends? Well, they, they, they're probably both, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess so. Um, you know, uh, there was a time in history where people used pigeons to deliver messages, so uh, I guess they were the very... Uh, first uh, version of um, air cargo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so why not? Why not? Um, and 
it would be really nice if the world was back to normal and we could get a flight to Dubai. We could even get a picture of that, um, what's it, the winged suit or whatever that guy wears. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, the skydiver in the winged suits or uh, yeah. jet powered. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, the jet, jet man, I think they jet call him. Jet man, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I haven't yeah. actually seen how he lands. Does he use a parachute or how does, how does he do that? Uh, I guess he must do. I have no idea, actually. Yeah, um, yeah I'd actually have to YouTube have a look. it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Nice. Yeah, very cool. Uh, yeah. Well, anything else that you want to add? No, nothing. Uh, I think that sort of covers uh, what I've been up to this week. Um, and yeah, just looking forward to getting out there and making a few more pictures. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch up again next week. Yeah, sounds good. Otherwise, um, everyone is listening. Hope you guys enjoy the week. Get out there, take some nice photos. And uh, please share them with us. Um, where can they tag us, Mike? They can tag us at Frame Focus Photo on Instagram. And if they uh, share some pictures, they can uh, apply the hashtag FFF underscore transports. And... Uh, and we'll see their pictures. We haven't had too many people adding photos yet, but uh, come on, guys, uh, join us and, and make some pictures. Brilliant. Yeah. Great. Cool, Mike. Keep right. well. Thanks, Len. You too. Take care. You too, Chad. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Find us on the web www.framefocusphoto.com or Facebook and Instagram at framefocusphoto. Email framefocusphoto at gmail.com and don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode. The music for this show was provided by the talented Varun and you can follow him on Instagram at rainvioletsky.